All right, welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegel's with you. As promised, we are going to have Joe Judge's live press conference with the media's first virtual press conference from training camp. And, well, as punctual as Joe Judge usually is, he is already in the room addressing the media. So let's join him right now talking to the media. I'm just curious with with everything. I mean, with all the planning you put into how you thought this was going to take place, what the biggest challenge for you uh, as a coach? And have you gotten a chance to be a coach, or do you almost feel like you're kind of still coordinating everything and not really coaching football? Well, look, I'll be very honest with you. Uh, the other day was the first time I've been in a walkthrough where instead of being directly related to a specific group or running a period at a time, you're walking around observing everything. Uh, by the time we got to our second walkthrough, look, my natural tendency is to be very hands-on, so I find my way to groups, and I know I want to get across to different players. There's definitely a lot of coordination that goes on, Art. Uh, the planning's huge, but really, ultimately, our job as a coaching staff and my job is to make sure that we're in a position to adjust accordingly and keep moving. And that's what I've seen right now from our coaches and players. You know, we've got an attitude to figure it out. And right now, everyone's figuring it out. Whatever we're allowed to work with, we're going to figure it out. You know, we've got a plan day by day. As that plan changes, we adjust, and we keep going full speed. Thanks. Um, you can go ahead with your question. Thanks. Joe, we've seen, uh, you know, other sports try and launch here in this uh, COVID atmosphere. Obviously, hockey and basketball are seem to be doing okay in a pretty tight bubble. Baseball is having some struggles. Uh, without sort of that that bubble what what have you told the players that they need to do and and that they need to be aware of to make this football season work not just for the giants but but really for the whole nfl well the first thing we have to all understand is everyone at this level is sacrificed to get here you know we're gonna have to make some more sacrifice whether that's you know socially away from the game whether that's how we interact with you know friends and family members throughout this season but we have to make the right decisions. And the biggest thing is everybody has to understand that all of our decisions directly impact each other. It's not fair for me to go out and do something and put myself at risk and come in here and get a player sick. That, it's not my right. I'm not entitled to do that. So we've got to all make the right decisions, both in the building, following the protocols, and away from the building. And I think ultimately as a league, we just have to trust the plan in place the league's put, make sure we adhere to the protocols, make sure we wear the PPEs, Let's be careful. Let's be cautious. Okay. But we can operate aggressively if we just follow the plan in place. Zach, you can go ahead with your question. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Hey, Zach. Yeah, I was curious if you guys, the coaching staff, have talked about, like, you know, in the in the scenario that you were to test positive or Jason or Patrick, like, if you have, like, succession plan and how you plan on, like, dealing with that. If, because I'm sure you have to plan for all scenarios this year. You know, we absolutely have. We have succession plans for the coaching staff. You know, once we get a depth chart in place at the end of the, uh, you know, roster development, we'll have plans for every player on the team and what the next man up would be. Uh, to be honest with you, my plan as a head coach as we go through training camp is not only evaluating the players, but evaluating the coaches in terms of interaction. And it's got to be the total chemistry of how a game day would operate. So there's going to be decisions that we'll make at the end in terms of going through the season. And those, and those decisions may change as we go through the entirety of the season. But we'll structure practices accordingly. Uh, we're always in developing every player. We're in developing every coach as well. So we started talking back in the spring in terms of if any one coach, myself included, couldn't come to work that day for any period of time, 
how do we address meetings, practice on the field, the game. We got to make sure we have a plan. Bruce, you can go ahead with your question. Hey, Joe, hope you and your family are well. Um, leadership is so vital during this COVID time, not only from the coach's standpoint, but from the players. Do you see players that are handling the leadership in this time period, uh, adapting to protocols, and basically, even in a virtual fashion, showing you that this is going to work? Our players are very committed to doing everything possible to make this work. Our, our team's committed to improving on all the field on a daily basis. I'd say in the short time we've been with the players in our stadium, as far as the protocols, you know, they've done their absolute best. Obviously, when you first get in, there's some natural tendencies you're used to from being in a team environment that you have to start to distance yourself from, both physically, all right, and just hypothetically, you know, having formed distance among players. So, you know, the leadership aspect of it, I think we're going to see that emerge. You know, we'll have a leadership council. We'll talk. Part of our culture is doing what's necessary to be successful. And at this time, to be successful, we have to stay healthy. You know, the healthiest team has an advantage. And we're going to do our part to stay healthy. Thank you, Coach. Patty, you can go ahead with your question. Thank you, Dan. Hi, Coach. How are you? Good, Patty. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Two questions, if I may. Um, given the fact that there is no preseason games, do you have a plan in place regarding like a scrimmage or something that where you can test out um, game day operations, which I imagine you're going to want to do? And then I'll just wait for before I ask the second question. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got to do a good job of structuring training camp in that we're able to evaluate the players first and make sure we make the right decisions when we form this roster. And you can't do that without playing full-speed football. And you can't have a safe team who's ready to play on September 14th without having full-speed football. So whether it's a situation of inter-squad scrimmage, inter-squad games, uh, we'll also develop the coaching staff as well through inter-practice communication. And then within those scrimmages and inter-squad games, we'll also divide the coach up and make sure the necessary communication takes place. And then going back to an earlier question, we'll make ways within scenarios of, you know, within game communication, what if a certain coach isn't there? practice those scenarios as well so we have a plan in place and then my other question is you know you have some players coming off injury i don't believe you put anybody on pup but is everybody going to be able to to go full speed you know evan ingram i think uh Corey coleman and then i think you had a couple of other guys a couple of the that had injuries that are coming off and marcus golden where do you stand with him so in terms of uh marcus or any other player you know, there's an entry process everyone has to go through, the testing, the quarantine, then the physicals. You know, once these players clear that process, Patty, I'll be happy to talk about all of them. To this moment, um, that's one player in particular who has not cleared the process. In terms of the question as far as being limited, I'm going to wait till all the players clear the pro or clear their physicals to give you an absolute answer on that. Remember, these are guys that we still have not seen physically for some time. They've been sitting in a hotel now for about a week, you know, quarantining and testing. So, I'm going to let Ronnie Barnes and the doctors do the physicals. We'll get all the necessary information. We'll see where we're at right there. Um, but, you know, Evan's been working hard throughout the summer. He's been training and doing his rehab. We've had him out here with our group working and going, you know, forward. We'll see where he has that physically as we ramp up the intensity and the volume, and uh, we'll make our decisions from there. Thank you. Sure, you can go ahead with your question. Hey, Joe, how you doing? 
Oh, Paul, how you been? Good, thanks. Um, I'm sure after you, not long after you got this job, you you envisioned what it would be like to stand up in front of your whole team and address them as the first time as a head coach. Obviously, that has not happened yet. It will happen much differently when it does, um, you know, because of all this situation. So can you just, I mean, are there a lot of players that you're literally meeting for the first time face-to-face? And, and what, what um, do you envision, when do you envision the first time you get these guys all in a room together? Well, you know, in terms of our uh, roster reduction, you know, eventually we have to be at 80. That would be the first time you actually get the entire team together at once. You know, so that would be the first time you get to talk to everyone at once collectively. Uh, to answer your question, no, we don't have any strangers. We've taken our time this spring to make sure everyone's gotten a chance to establish relationships with each other. It is the first time I'm physically seeing some of these players eye to eye. Uh, but I, it, the funny thing's been, even though we've been talking through the virtual world throughout spring, you know, these young guys came in, these quarterbacks, first-year players, you just pick right back up where you left off. You know, we were very thorough this spring and how we prepared and how we, you know, launched into the program. Um, this isn't going to be the first time I've addressed the team in terms, of, in terms of our culture or what we expect. So, you know, at this point, we're really looking forward to getting a training camp and starting, you know, football on the field. Thank you. Pat Leonard, you can go ahead with your question. Hey, Joe, how you doing? I was curious, when, when David Sills goes on um, the COVID reserve list and a player is asymptomatic like that, can you just describe how, um, how that response went, if you were pleased with how the club and the organization responded, if, to your knowledge, anyone else has uh, caught it or tested positive since? I mean, do you feel comfortable with how you handled that first positive test? You know, look, I have a lot of confidence in the way that our medical team has set up these protocols and how they're handling everything going forward. And I think our players will as well. We're taking every possible step to make sure our players can come into work every day and focus on football by knowing they're safe if they follow the protocols and the plan we have in place. You know, the biggest thing for us is any player who can't be with the team on a daily basis due to any kind of illness is, you know, we can extend the meetings through Zoom like we did in the spring. The one thing is it's not something foreign to our players now. They've already gone through an entire spring of it. So if they can't be in the meeting room with us, they can be in the hotel room with whatever their personal situation is and still participate in the meetings and not fall behind on the mental aspect of it that day. Lombardo, you can go ahead with your question. Lombardo? You're on mute. Hey, sorry about that. Um, Joe, hope you and the family are doing well. I know that it's an ongoing legal situation with DeAndre Baker, but now that he's on the commissioner exempt list, um, what's the thought process in terms of you guys keeping him around? And also, as you start training camp, how's it going to look at the top of the depth chart at cornerback on the other side of, uh, of uh, James Bradbury? Well, to address the first part of the question, you know, he's not on our 90-man roster currently. He's on the exempt list. So I'll let the league deal with that issue. Uh, I'm not going to comment on any ongoing legal investigation. Uh, in terms of depth chart, the entire team you know, is really at the same point. Everyone has to come in and compete from ground zero and build their way up. Again, we've had very productive meetings in the spring. Uh, we haven't been on the field together yet besides some walkthroughs of this early group. Uh, I mentioned earlier that it's been more of almost a rookie mini camp type atmosphere of getting guys on the field, getting them acclimated to our systems, just getting used to being on the field with the coaches and players together for the first time. And it's new for all of us right now. It's a new staff. It's the first time we're being together on the field together, first time being with our players together. So these are things that we've been able to take this 
early reporting opportunity to iron out some details and get on the same page. Thanks. Jordan, you can go ahead with your question. How's it going, Joe? Hey, Jordan. I was just curious, how are you approaching me? This obviously is not a normal season. Uh, it, it Are you... Do you have to prepare differently for other things that may pop up along the way? And how do you, how do you go about doing that? Well, it's different for every situation, Jordan. I think that, you know, my job is to make sure that we're preparing for all the possible scenarios that can come up throughout the season. You know, it's not only things we've thought of already, but things that pop up as we go. Of, okay, what if this happens? What's our plan in place? Now, you do that as a football team anyway. This year, you just take into a different account with – you know, COVID and how that may affect, you know, our team or other teams, you know, as well. But the biggest thing is just to talk about the situation. You talk out how you're going to handle it. A lot of it's personnel oriented. A lot of it may be preparation based on meetings, how we had to do the spring virtually, you know, practice. How will that look right now? We have all plans for practice to look as normal as can be. That changes some point in the league. We'll figure it out. We'll adjust. We'll keep on moving. You know, we're just not going to make any excuses for anything that comes up this season. You know, we're all here to play and coach football. We're here to do it well, and we're going to put everything into it. So you don't uh, you don't believe in the idea that, you know, it's going to be such a wild season and who knows what, how it unfolds that, you know, you might get a pass in public perception of, of saying, oh, this was just such an outrageous season. They, they, he did the best he could kind of deal. There's unknowns in every season going in. This year is no different, just has a different element that we haven't dealt with before. So as we go – you know, we'll see how things change and things shake out. But, you know, right now we're looking to go ahead and make sure we build the strongest team we can. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. I'll leave you. Go ahead with your question. Hey, Joe. Uh, obviously, with Nate Solder, the most important thing is his family, and we read your comments about that. But if I could address it from a football standpoint, you obviously lose your most experienced tackle. Dave's been trying to build this offensive line. To a, to a strong point for three years. From a football standpoint, how secure are you with your offensive line, your tackles without Nate? And from a salary cap standpoint, that opened up a lot of money under these rules. Do you expect to be active in free agency this summer? You know, we'll always make the best decision all right, for the team. We don't feel right now like we have money burning a hole in our pocket. Uh, we just know that there's a little bit more on the cap space for us right now. Listen, we fully support Nate Solder's decision. I've known him personally, going back to my time in New England. Um, not only known him, but had a relationship with him, his family, his wife, Lexi's an absolutely great woman. You know, their children and what they're going through personally. Yeah, this is not an easy decision. I don't want to talk for Nate. He's put out his own words. But from an organizational standpoint, you know, we wanted Nate to play this year. But we fully support his decision not to because we absolutely understand what he's going through. This was not an easy decision for him. We talked, we talked about it a lot. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to try to talk any player into doing anything all right, when it comes to you know, the situation we're in right now. You've got to make decisions best for you personally and your family. I think Nate did that, and, you know, we fully support him. You know, from a football standpoint, listen, we have confidence in all of our players. You know, again, we still have to get on the field and practice and evaluate, and that's at all positions. You know, whether it's the offensive line, the skill positions, defense, whatever it ends up being, We've got to see how these guys perform under pressure and can handle the loads of install, all right, and see how they perform when they're tired and in direct competition. There's a lot of things that have to be done in a short period of time, 
We've got to make good evaluations as coaches. I've got a set of practices to make sure we can evaluate guys at multiple positions. All right. And we've got to make sure that we just do a good job of seeing what every player does when he understands what to do with the play as fastest. And that's our job as coaches to teach him. Duggan, you can go ahead with your question. Hey, Joe, real quick, just to follow up on that, has any other player indicated uh, a plan to opt out? Uh, at this moment, no. Okay. Um, and then just as far as the decision with Aldrich Rosas, could you explain what went into that and then why Chandler was the, the best option to take his spot? You know, uh, in terms of the, you know, who may be coming in again, I'll be glad to talk about them when they complete the entry process and procedure coming in. You know, I just say on, on the decision to release Aldrich, you know, we felt that, you know, it was best for the team based on, you know, all things being put in together, what we're trying to do going forward. Um, I like Aldrick a lot as a person. You know, I wish him the best of luck. I'm not going to comment on an ongoing legal investigation, uh, but we made a decision with those best for the team. Tom Rocky, go ahead with your question. Oh, I'm Thank sorry. You. Charles, go ahead with your question. Sorry about that, Paul. Uh, so you spoke a lot about uh, versatility when you got hired and kind of leading up to the draft. I was wondering how big of a role that played with the selection of Xavier McKinney and how do you see him fitting into the Giants secondary? And also as a second question, how optimistic are you that we can play a full 16 game season? Listen, I get a lot of trust in the, in the plan put forth by the league. We've spent a lot of time on this. You know, when these players left or, you know, we signed off, as you could say, for vacation. And the coaches, we took a little bit of a break for about a month. It was 24-7 around the clock, really working on making sure we got the facilities in order that we can bring our players in and have them work safely. You know, we're doing everything we can to be, you know, not just compliant, but make sure that we're staying ahead of issues that may arise. We're trying to educate our players on a daily basis. We've got to enforce the rules as coaches. We have to rely on the leadership of the team to build a culture in the locker room. Okay. But in terms of, uh, you know, the optimism for a season right now, that look, we got 16 games on the schedule and I'm looking forward to playing every one. All right. To answer the other question about uh, X, you know, listen, versatility is a huge part of all of our systems, offense, defense, and the kicking game. All right. Our defense is going to be multiple. That's both by base scheme. It's also going to be based by game plan, who the opponent is. You're going to see anywhere from four to six DBs on the field at certain times. Uh, his role will be different based on different game plans. And really, he'll have a chance, like all of our other players will, to establish what he's going to be within our defense based on how he performs over this next month of football. Ralph, you can go ahead with your question. Hey, Joe. Uh, hope you're doing well. Um, I know that uh, the depth chart is obviously still a work in progress, but with Nate Solder gone for the year, uh, just based on who you have, it's clear that some very young players, some rookies are going to have to fill a significant role. Normally by now you'd have seen them on the field, uh, tested them a little bit. How concerned are you in general about using rookies and young players in key spots anywhere this season when, uh, you know, things are so unusual? You know, the age of a player doesn't really ever bother me. Okay. We bring guys into play. This isn't like college bringing a young guy in and the NFL doesn't give you a red shirt year. You get 53 to 54 guys in your roster, all right, based on the number of offensive line to keep, but you get a limited roster. Everyone's got to contribute. Everyone has to play. 
You know, one thing you hear a lot about is people get caught up with the word starters. You know, you can only bring so many to an active game day list. Everybody plays. It's not really significant who the first 11 to go on the field are because at the end of the game, everybody has a role. Everybody has a very important job and everyone has to contribute. We're going to play all of our offensive linemen in multiple positions, both right and left. We're going to have a competition for every position. You're going to see multiple guys that are going to be playing both inside at center and outside at tackle. We're going to play all of our tackles in both right and left to start camp and see who fits best where. And once we establish that point that we've shaken out who should be on either side, we'll go forward with it. Now, that being said, we want to cross-train all of our players. Okay, You can't just play right tackle or left tackle or right corner or left corner based on depth and health of the team. It may require you in the middle of the game or for an entire game based on a depth chart to play on a side you don't normally play on. So all of our guys have to be ready at all times to switch sides, mirror their technique, and to play effectively for a game. Brock, you can go ahead with your question. Thanks. Joe, do you expect there to be less movement at the bottom of the roster than there might normally be during a training camp just because, you know, if you if you claim a guy off of waivers or, or sign a free agent, you're not going to have him on the field for almost a, a full week? You know, Tom, that's one thing we have talked about. This may be a different training camp around the league in terms of the time with the claims. Now, that's not going to eliminate roster movement. It's still the National Football League, and people are going to look to fill their needs or possibly improve their depth you know, as they see guys on the waiver wire. The one thing I think you have to be, you know, conscious about as a, as a coach, that if you have to move somebody off the roster to claim somebody, you better have a plan in place for that week or so that you're going to be at, you know, you're at 80, but you're really at 79 on the field. Yeah. If that makes sense. And I, I would think that that would become an even more pressing issue uh, once the regular season does start, where you know normally you would claim a guy, he would come in on a Tuesday. He he probably wouldn't even be available to you on that Sunday's game. You know what? You're absolutely right on that, Tom. I think that's part of the discussions we've had, the claiming process. We don't have a definite answer as far as how the regular season is going to go, but at this point, we're kind of assuming it's going to be very similar to what we're looking at right now with the testing and quarantine piece. I think what you said is very fair and very true. This is no longer you work a guy out on Tuesday. Tuesday night, he's you know doing meetings. Wednesday, he's in practice with the rest of the team. It's important for us to establish our on-the-roster depth and the practice squad with the ability the league's had for us to flex players up and down and the amount of veterans we can keep to that practice squad roster. That's going to be key in all teams and how they manage those 16 positions this year going forward. We'll take four more questions. Uh, Tom Canavan, you can go ahead with your question. Can't even start your question over. You're muted. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. I know players are in a hotel now and they're quarantined. As the season comes up, how are you going to handle them when they go home? I mean, is there some rules that you're going to put into effect to limit their access when they're home? Well, the league's already put out some rules already through the agreement in terms of where they can or can't go exposed to large crowds and certain atmospheres. But the thing I want to emphasize with my team is we have to make responsible decisions, all of us. And what I've got to think personally about is it's not just where I go. I know where I'm at the stadium or driving my house, but I've got to be conscious of where my wife and children are, you know, who are they around on a daily basis? What am I bringing back to the team? You know, listen, there's some sacrifice we have to make, but like I said earlier, Everybody's made sacrifices to get to this level, okay? If the biggest thing we have to do is for half a year, 
all right? Wear masks around each other, distance a little bit, and when we go home, be home. I think that's a pretty fair trade-off to be able to be part of the National Football League. Thank you. Pat Leonard, you can go ahead. Hey, Joe, I don't think you've addressed this yet, but how, how did you decide how to split up your 90-man roster for camp? And then also, I know some teams are doing like the quarterback thing, like first string and third string together, second and fourth. Is that something you're doing as well with position groups, but especially quarterback? Well, the league really established how we had to split the roster, Pat. You've oh. got to go rookies and first-year players, and then the vets and other group. What you got flexibility on was injured players and quarterbacks. We felt it was most beneficial for us right now with the group size of who came in to just keep all the quarterbacks in this first group. So as we progress and have time to get on the field and, quote, phase two type activities, all right, mm-hmm. come up this fr- uh, next Friday, that we can have the quarterbacks out there and start to work with them on the field. The biggest thing we're thinking about right now at this point is physically to give our players a chance to get their bodies ready for practice. And that's why the league set this up. That's why the players and coaches were very adamant about having a training period for the players. We've got to remember, these guys can't go from zero to 100. Okay, You have to give them a chance to train, to get their bodies in position ready. All right, They have to go out there without having to face an offense or a defense player across from them and just have football movements. Okay? There's things that when you train on your own, you just can't simulate. And it's really the reactive movements that you're so vulnerable to. So, you know, to avoid soft tissue injuries or, you know, ligament issues, we want to make sure that we take our time in this front part of this acclimation and give the players the full progression of lifting, running, walkthroughs, eventually getting to phase two activities, non-padded practices, eventually leading to padded practices and true training camp. So, you know, for us, it was just important to get the quarterbacks in that first group so we could start their clock right away and get them on the field and keep them healthy. Thanks. Patty, you can go ahead with your question. Can, hi, Coach. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, if I understand the rules correctly, I think you're getting 14 practices, and I think of the 14, I think it's something like 10 are padded, which doesn't sound like a whole lot. With that said, how much in terms of your evaluation of the players is going to be swung more towards the mental side, towards understanding what the coaches are asking in the scheme of their specific roles? And, and does it, I guess, change how you're going to evaluate as you go along later into the summer? You know, it's kind of funny when you think about the way it was set up and we talk to a lot of the coaches on the staff, you kind of have to reach back some of your previous experience. This is almost a little bit more like a college training camp because you're not worried about getting ready for a preseason game. You're not concerned about having a plan in place for a specific opponent. You really have more time to work on your own installs and what you can address, you know, within your own team at your own progression. So obviously the number of coaches on our staff, myself included, who have been through college football, we kind of thought back into how you could have this progression. You know, for us, there's really kind of waves of training camp. And while we're allowed to have walkthroughs on the field, okay, we're going to really emphasize a lot of the mental part of it, Patty, and really bring these guys around within the systems and give them the opportunity to really learn this at a good learning and teaching pace. And then we get the opportunity to get on the field. We have to ramp it up. You know, it's not ramping it up necessarily just to say, okay, you know, they gave us a green light step on the gas, but you've got to get the players bodies ready for competition. You know, this each part of the season gets faster. Preseason is not as fast as the regular season. Regular season is not as fast as the playoffs. And every round you go to the playoffs, 
it gets faster and more intense. That's just the truth. Not that players aren't putting out max effort. It's just the reality of the situation of how the teams get better as you go, all right, the reaction you have to have, and just the intensity of the game. We've got to do our part as coaches of ramping up the practices in training camp so that we get to the regular season. Our guys are physically prepared to play safely on the field. Thank you. This will be the last question. Lombardo, you can go ahead. Hey, Joe, I know some teams have kind of talked about and there's been speculation about quarantining their quarterback, whether it would be just Daniel by himself or, or quarantining a backup quarterback. Is that something that you considered or already putting into action? We're trying to keep all the players spaced out physically, to be honest with you. Uh, in terms of just quarantining any one player at this moment, no, we want to have every player around here so that we can have, you know, interpersonal connection with them, get them on the field and train them. Uh, are you referring to more in a regular season or? Uh, yeah, that and, and maybe just like keeping those guys like it, um, during the regular season or just away from the building, like separate protocols for those, for your quarterbacks, just to keep those guys a little bit extra safe. You know, I think we're doing everything right now. We possibly can keep all of our guys extra safe, to be honest with you. You know, our guys know they go back to the hotel. I mean, they're in their room. We keep them here late enough anyway. They don't have a ton of time once they leave the building. You know, normally they get back, they read their notebook, their head hits the pill and they're out and they start the day over again. Um, but we're just making sure all of our players, not anyone specific, but all of our players, you know, keep spacing, follow the protocols. Uh, we put a lot of work into that. It's just part of the understanding of what we're dealing with, you know, and we can't make this the biggest obstacle. We're going to have 16 or we're have 16 games of opponents. All right. They're going to be a lot tougher than just following protocols. So, you know, we just have to get ready right now. Just follow all the little detailed steps along the way. Get ready for the season. Thanks. Thanks, Coach. All right, that's head coach of the New York Giants, Joe Judge's first appearance uh, at a press conference, doing a virtual press conference uh, for the first time for the 2020 training camp, which is sort of open. Players have shown up. Uh, the veterans still have to do their physicals over the weekend. The rookies have kind of hit the field with the quarterbacks and the injured guys and the first-year guys doing uh, their their calisthenics and workouts and strength and conditioning. And now we're joined by Lance Meadow and Jeff Fiegels. Uh, gentlemen, uh, a lot of stuff from Joe Judge there. Obviously, not a lot of talk about specific players yet because he still, despite the fact that it is July 31st, has not been with these guys really on the field yet doing football stuff, but uh, a lot of stuff. Jeff, let's start with you. Mm. What stuck out to you from what Joe Judge talked about at his press conference? Well, I, I, what sticks out is that what you just said to me, more importantly, is July 31st, and he still hasn't seen his team. <laughs> I mean, it's just, this. I, I tell you, this is just craziness. Um, you know, as we're sitting here doing the show today, normally uh, we would be having the opportunity just to see some of the things going on on the field, whether they're just the rookies or whatever, but it's just so different. And I, I think that really what stood out the most um, from Joe Judge speaking with the media is that you could just see all the protocols that he has to deal with on a daily basis. Every single thing that comes across his desk has been given out by the league or they're doing something with the Giants. So um, it's a difficult task for him, especially being a first-time head coach. So um, you got to give him a lot of props. It sounds like he's very organized and he understands that you know things are going to change uh, pretty fluidly and you got to be ready for him. Lance, what jumped out to you? Well, a few things. I think, number one, one of the last points he made is very interesting, the fact that this has got a feel of a college preseason yeah. leading up to the year because there is no preseason games. And the fact that you know this is where we get into what we discussed all offseason, that the 
composition of the coaching staff, there's a lot of guys that are not far removed from the college game. So this is not going to be that big of an adjustment because they don't normally typically deal with preseason games. So I thought that was very unique how he's tapping into his staff and they're going to structure it very much like the guys have been exposed to to college. Number two, when he talked about Nate Solder and mentioned that it frees up money, he said, the money's not burning a hole in our pocket. And I thought that was well said because you have to understand cap space rolls over. Just because you have it doesn't mean you have to spend it. And if there's any time that I'd want additional cap space, it would be 2021 when the salary cap floor is expected to be $175 million, which is a huge difference from $198.2 million where it is today. So that I thought was interesting. And he talked about how they're going to test out those offensive linemen on the left side and the right side, which is pretty much what we expected. You've got four options. Get them reps on each side and see who is most effective. And they're going to go from there. So I don't think that necessarily was a surprising development. And then I think the last aspect was, and this goes into what Jeff was talking about, how he's very detailed-oriented. He was asked about what happens if, God forbid, you lose somebody on your coaching staff who tests positive. And he said, listen, we got a plan in place to replace me. we got a plan in place to replace Jason Garrett, Patrick Graham, as well as players. Meaning they've had conversations, John, where if the starting middle linebacker goes down, who then would start in place of the starting middle linebacker? And then who would move up the depth chart from that point on? So these are conversations every team has to have. And I think he eloquently laid it out by saying... This is just something addition that we have to prepare for on top of all of the other things that you normally have to have conversations about around this time of the year. Yeah, no question about it. A few things that jumped out to me. And by the way, folks, you are listening to Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Um, You can find it on Giants.com slash podcast. You can also, of course, find the archive on all your favorite podcast platforms. The phone number is 973-667-1960. We only have one line, so if you call it as busy, keep trying. Eventually, you will get through. The line is full right now. And uh, we'll go a little past 1 o'clock today since that press conference went almost a full half hour uh, to break down what Joe Judge talked about and to take your calls and reacting to what he said. Uh, one of the things he said early in the press conference, guys, it, it, I guess it's kind of like, duh, I, I get it. But he said the healthiest team has the advantage. And I think, you know, he talked about how everyone is sacrificed to get to this point to mm-hmm. be an NFL player. And and I happen to agree with him. He said, look, in order to have NFL football, you're not asking for a huge sacrifice to when you go home, stay home, be careful where you go, and make some sacrifices so that everyone can stay healthy and have a season. So I think he's really stressing at least what I took out of it with his players to not only follow the protocols in the building, which are important, but when you go home, behave responsibly. You know, don't do anything that would be considered a high-risk activity. Don't do whatever that player or players of the Marlins did that caused the breakout that there in Major League Baseball. You have to do things and make responsible decisions. And Joe Judge even mentioned, look, it's not all about even what I do. I have to figure out where my kids were and, and where my wife was when I go home. I'm going to be around them, and I'm going to bring that back to the facility. Now, my bet is that Joe Judge is sleeping at the facility five nights a week anyway, <laughs> so that might not be that big of an issue. But I think everyone has to look at it that way. That's just kind of how the world is now, Jeff. No, there's no question. And, and ultimately, there's going to be positive tests. This is, it's just, it's just going to happen. You know, um, you know, it's not a bubble. And I, I was listening to the radio this morning and somebody made a great comment about this bubble thing. And, you know, really college football right now, the players are in a bubble. 
because there isn't any any students that are on campus. It's just the athletes, so that's their bubble, right? Well, when those when those when those um, athletes get exposed to the regular students that come on, there's no more bubble, and that's what you have to be careful. Same instance here with with NFL. The guys are kind of in a bubble, bubble, bubble when they are at the facility. <laughs> they will do every single thing they can do to keep those guys healthy there. But yes, I mean you have to be so careful about what you're, where you're going to go, and what you're going to do. I, I think that most the guys are going to be fine, but I just have a feeling that something's, you know, there's what there's one time when you're not going to be able to stop this. It's it's a virus. It's airborne. Something's going to happen, and you just have to be able to deal with it. Now, if I'm a guy in the locker room. I'm self-policing. I'm just I'm not trying to to be a jerk about it. I'm just trying to make sure that guys understand. And I said this earlier. It's not always the young guys. Everybody thinks it's just the young guys that are coming in and they don't have a clue, which they really don't, but this it's not a lot of times it's, it's some of the older guys too you have to watch out for. So, in this instance, if I'm one of the leaders of the team, I'm I'm basically getting up and telling the guys, "Listen, let's keep this as good as we can for as long as we can because if something starts going sideways it can get sideways quickly and you never know what can happen to the season so if you guys want to get paid and you want to play let's all adhere to the rules that actually that the team has given us and what the nfl has given us you heard joe judge answer the question about hey what are you going to do about protocol well there's protocol out there the players can't do certain things so and that's subject to conduct detrimental to the team if they get caught doing that they're going to get lose a paycheck so we'll see yeah and lance and, and look that's just really the bottom line now it's it's the place and the facility and the team and the league is only as safe as the least responsible person, right? Correct. So, and everyone has to step up and, and as important as to learn your playbook and practice and know what you're doing on the field and perform well on game day this year, specifically, whatever you do every hour and minute of your day could theoretically impact how this season goes. And Joe judge said he's expecting to play 16 games. He has faith in all the protocols in place. But it's going to come down to personal responsibility. Yeah, it comes down to self-discipline. Uh, I that's think that's right. pretty much it. Now, Jeff, it was interesting listening to your commentary because, you know, what you were pretty much saying also has to do with football players, as I always say, are creatures of habit. It's mm-hmm. routine, right? You know, yeah. you're so used to what you do on a daily basis. And the other thing that I'm thinking about is how players are going to have to tweak even some of their behavior on the field and in the locker room because Drew Brees actually spoke recently and he talked about if you look at how many times he puts his finger in his mouth, and I'm not trying to discuss their audience, but you know, right? You lick your finger to get moisture on the football, right, Jeff? Yeah. And I don't know if you went through this when you punted, sure. you know, yeah. in terms of getting a grip. Yeah. You know, those are things, Jeff, that I would think you have to now reevaluate, right? Yeah. What you're doing just from a strategic yeah. standpoint. Well, there's routine, and I think you're right with players. We're all creatures of habits, and, you know, guys bring their routines with them from college. And sometimes, you know, they're, they're crazy routines, like just changing your, you know, your shoelaces or something like that. But, um, you know, there's also medical r- routines, you know, stuff you get you do in the, in the training room. Uh, yeah. You know, the hot tubs. I can't imagine there's guys going to be hanging out in the hot tub like normally we do after before practice. You know, that's probably not going to happen. Um, you know, where areas where you're just, you're normally, your routine has to change. And you know what? You got to deal with it. You're going to have to just deal with it. Go home and take a bath if you, if you want to warm up or something. But yeah, it's a good point. And I think that um, you have to be careful and just make sure that you're doing what everybody tells you to do and people will stay safe that way. So. 
Hey, Jeff, you mentioned this a couple shows ago. We never got into it. You said some of the protocols that your son is dealing with at Rutgers mm-hmm. to, to stay safe. Can you kind of just talk yeah. to our fans a little bit about some of the things that they're doing in college yeah, when well, they're it's, not, it's you know, kinda, to try to keep these guys safe? Yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, obviously college football is kind of a, a little bit before the NFL as far as practicing and what they're doing, things like that. So, um, you know, what's happening is that you have this influx of new players coming in from the team freshmen right um well they're on the brinks they just graduated and what are they doing this summer they're all going to graduation parties and so what's happening is you know if you're a head coach of a football program and you've got these young guys coming into your program they're they're usually the ones that aren't going to listen they you know what i'm saying so they're kind (laughs) of they're just oh well and that's what's happening these guys are going to parties and then they're coming in and they're infecting the team and now they have a quarantine issue well that's what happened uh, the other day at Rutgers, there was reportedly there was a, a party and some uh, football guys were there and they contracted it. And next thing you know, there's there you a go. cluster and then boom, they shut the program down. Now, my point is, is that what they're trying to do with these players is just get them to understand. And I think when something happens like this, maybe it's cause and effect. Now they're going to think twice about doing what they did before, because now they're seeing that they're being asked to stay in their room. Uh, you get an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon to get out, wear your mask, walk around, do not come in contact with anyone. They're drop shipping waters, food to their to their apartment complexes. They're they're in full fledged quarantine. And are the players, Jeff, like in their own dorms? Are they yes. sharing dorms with non athletes, or is it just the athletes in those dorms it's by just themselves? The, it's just the football team in those dorms. And what they have done is every player has their own room. They do share a bathroom. Oh, that's interesting too. Okay, so um, so you have the limited. So there's a common contact. area then, essentially. Uh, yeah. And in fact, the common area is non. You you are not allowed to go into the common area, Lance. Wow. You have to stay in your room. Um, Lance would have loved these rules. He didn't want to interact with anybody anyway. This is like <laughs> yeah, perfect for right him. Right alley. Yeah, yeah for, the, for the guys that like to you know hang out and do nothing in front of anybody, this is perfect for you, Lance. So, uh, but I mean, it's it's tough for kids. I mean, the mental. Uh, health of this can be detrimental. I mean, you can't expect kids to do this. So I guess the bottom line and the, the message here is that, hey, guys, we got we to gotta adhere to the rules. And if you're going to go out and not abide by these rules, these are, these are the things that are going to happen to you. And so, you know, luckily there, there are some kids that live off campus that um, have their, their three or four guys living in a house. You can't do anything about that other than they try to tell them to stay in their rooms. But listen, you gotta, you gotta do. It's discipline, as Lance said. It is going to be so much more discipline than people are used to, and they're going to have to change their routines and the way that they do things. All right, let, let's get to the on the field stuff. As Joe Judge did address a couple of those things, then we will get to your calls at nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. Uh, he did talk about versatility, guys, because he was asked a question about Xavier McKinney. And he said, look, versatility is a big part of all of our systems. Uh, to Lance's point earlier, he talked about how all the offensive linemen will cross-train left side, right side, cornerback safeties, left side, right side, strong free, all that sort of stuff. I imagine pass rushers, same thing, left and right. So everybody can play all the sides. But he talked specifically about the defensive backs. He said anywhere from four to six DBs will be on the field at the same time. And he said, and specifically to Xavier McKinney, that he could be put in different spots week in, week out, depending on the game plan. And he said McKinney and every player will get a chance to show the coaching staff where they're going to play best and where they fit in best during training camp. So, you know, we've speculated a lot about guys like Julian Love, guys like Xavier McKinney, and I think the proof will be in the pudding, guys, of how they play in camp will determine where we're going to see them on the field when we get to the regular season. 
Well, the one thing related to that is, and this was another follow-up question where he was asked about there are so many limited padded practices and 14 to be exact is that enough time is that enough substance and he talked about how you don't want to throw the guys into things too quickly because you have to be concerned about the injury bug so when he talks about versatility I think you certainly want to be able to see some of that before the season starts I guess my biggest concern is is there just going to be enough substance in practice to actually get the gist of that or are you not going to learn about some guys until you get week two, week three into the season. I I think it's really going to vary from player to player. I think obviously you're going to have a better feel for the vets or some of the coaches are going to have a better feel for the players they already have established relationships with. For example, Jason Garrett, I think, knows what Cam Fleming brings to the table. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't work him on both sides of the offensive line, but I think Garrett feels comfortable. Mark Colombo feels comfortable that they have a pretty good idea of Fleming. Does Patrick Graham feel as comfortable about McKinney, who you just brought up, John? No, he's seen him on college film. He's seen him in the Zoom meeting, but he hasn't seen him in person. Julian Love, to me, is in the same boat. There's no established relationship. Guy like Blake Martinez, I think Patrick Graham feels a lot better about him. Kyler Fackrell, I think Graham feels better about him. So I think those guys are still going to have a significant edge in terms of receiving, I guess, the benefit of the doubt, maybe, for the lack of a better phrase, that they'd be a little bit more comfortable allowing those guys to spread their wings and, you know, go out on their own and be creative, whereas I could see maybe holding back some of the younger guys until they get a better feel for them a few games into the season. Yeah, Jeff, to Lance's mm. point as well, we had Bill Polian, by the way, on the John Suttle podcast. I recommend everybody go and listen to that. And he basically said on that podcast, guys, that I'm not going to count on any rookies to give me anything this year. That's how much he thinks mm-hmm. uh, the unique offseason and the virtual offseason could be detrimental to these guys. And he made the point that he doesn't think anyone beyond the third-round pick even is, is guaranteed a roster spot based on how all this is going to go. So Joe Judge, on the other hand, his quote, and I wrote it down, he says, age doesn't bother me. He says, you're on the NFL roster. We're going to expect you to play. So if that's how he looks at it, guys, he's not going to, I don't think, put some of these rookies on this roster if he doesn't think they can help the team and play. You know, Mm -hmm. this isn't going to be a a deal where, oh, you're a fifth-round pick. You're on no matter what especially in a unique year like this, Jeff, I think it's going to be real interesting to see how he handles the rookie class in building his roster and, and how he moves forward in, in terms of fitting them into the practice squad, the roster, risking them on waivers, uh, just to get that best 53 together so you can compete on game day. Yeah, I think then a couple of things. I mean, the real, the real point here is if they say that defensive backfield, it confuses me already. Um, so, and when you say that, you know, there might be veteran players that get there quicker, there's really not a whole lot of them. No, there's not. You know, so no, I yeah. think when you look at that, at that positional group, that's going to be the one you need to watch throughout the preseason, no, no preseason, but you know what I mean? Before the season starts, so that to me is going to be really, really important. The other thing is I think sooner or later, if you're asked to do one or two different things, you know, if you're a corner and they're going to ask you to play some free safety or vice versa, um, they're going to find out pretty quickly if you can, number one, pick up the system and understand where you have to be. And number two, if you can either play one of those two positions. If not, then you're just going to get kicked to one area and they're going to, they're going to, you're going to convince them that I'm just going to play this. Because, you know, right now you can't handle trying to do two. So we'll just kind of do that. And that goes with all positions. You know, playing inside and playing outside from the defensive line position. You know, those techniques, either inside of one, two, three, whatever, or outside. You know, can you do those types of things? You'll, they'll soon learn how they do that. Now, they're not going to have a lot of time. 
If you noticed, I mean, 14 practices and 10 of them padded. doesn't seem like a lot. But I, I, by the way, I'm not sure if that – I believe they get a maximum of 14 padded practices. Yes. Okay. So that's whatever, what the number is. Yes. That's what it is. So 14, believe it or not, it's, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of practices. It's still a pretty good evaluation time if you're going to get those 14 padded practice. You can, get, you can see what you see. But you know what? To your, to your point, um, John, and what, what Joe Judge said, it doesn't, he doesn't care about age. Um, I think at some point in time, age takes over. It's because age is experience, right? So I think that most of these guys, um, when you're looking at a roster, the free agents and the guys that are here currently from, from last year and the years past, they are certainly going to have an up on some of these other guys. Now, the first and second round guys, I, I, I expect them to compete. I expect McKinney to start. I expect um, Andrew Thomas to start. Those guys need to start for you, and I think they will. It's interesting in terms of, you know, whether or not some of the late-round picks and undrafted guys. Are and they even, have a lot of late-round picks, Lance. That's very the thing. Much. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Because what I think back to is, guys, last season. Now, granted, there's a new coaching staff, and there's going to be differences in how fast guys catch on to the new schemes. But two guys jump out to me from last season. Julian Love and O'Shane Zimenez. And I'm actually bringing up the numbers in front of me. Love wound up playing just under 37% of the defensive snaps last season. And if you remember, guys, he really didn't play until, what, the final five, six games of the season? Yeah, and I may be throwing long. out two more additional games. And O'Shane Zimenez played 45% of the defensive snaps, and he was another guy that really didn't flash or show his true impact until late in the season. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is those two guys had an entire training camp. They had four <laughs> preseason games, right? right? I know we're chuckling. Great because, point. No, right? right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you had a normal, typical routine for those two guys, yet with all of that being said, none of them got on the field and made a significant impact until week 13, week 14. And with, and with so that now, defense last year, you thought that they probably would. <laughs> exactly, because they were needed to get on the field. So now you argue, well, both of those guys, I would say, are critical. They're needed, but you don't have the preseason. You only have 14 padded practices, so we're now expecting players like them to get on the field week five and start to get into that 60%, 70% of the snaps. I don't know. That sounds like a stretch, guys, to me on paper right now. So that, I think, is even more of a challenge. Yeah, Lance, Julian Love just uh, – Zimenez played throughout the year, but his snaps increased towards the end. Julian Love didn't see double-digit snaps until week 12. 12. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's a long time. And, Joe, and, Joe, and go ahead, Sam. I'm sorry, Jeff. No, but it's a good point because it, it's – it's that that's learning a new position, right? Even though he did play some cornerback and safety in college, he's learned a new position at the NFL level. Well, that's what you're going to be asking all these young guys to do to, to learn, you know, the NFL way of playing cornerback or safety or linebacker. So it is going to take a while. It really is. So really, when I look at my when I look at my roster, I got to hope that I have some really good depth at veteran players. Um, because if not, they're gonna, there's going to be an accelerated curve for these young guys to learn quickly, and there's going to be mistakes in the games. And you don't have, you know, you, don't, you may have 16, you might only have eight, six, whatever it is, but you've you got to be able to feel the team that understands what they're doing. And it sounds to me like I believe that on both sides of the football, not only the Giants, but I think the whole league, you're going to see a simple, simplified, watered-down football for, for the first couple weeks of the season. It's going to be mundane. I mean, it's going to be football, but it's not going to be. It's going to be something, you know, very easy for these guys. Yeah, yeah depending on how much they install at that point, right. Jeff. Yeah, yeah, and Coach Judge did say they're going to focus on the mental part of it with practice, and you know, they'll ramp up once they get on the field. But until then, it's all about getting the guys ready to go mentally and getting their bodies ready 
to avoid those soft tissues injuries, something that he mentioned a lot, guys, FYI, um, throughout the press conference. You could tell that's going to be a focus for them. Uh, a couple of detail things here were camp that we've touched on. Uh, we've talked about the ability to split the squad if you're not cutting down to 80 right away, and the Giants have not as of yet. So they're putting the quarterbacks all at that first rookie group so they can get on the field as quickly as possible. So that's just one kind of detail part of the stuff that we've talked about a little bit. And, you know, they're just going to try to get the bodies and the minds right. So when they start doing those phase two practices on August 11th, that's going to be when they really try to start going here a little bit. So, guys, it's it's going to be tight. It's going to be interesting, and it'll be fun to see how it goes. 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. Also, hashtag Giants Chat. Also, your submitted questions at Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions let's go to our phones our caller's been on since the end of joe judge's press conference let's uh have him join us right now caller what's your name where are you calling from you're with lance jeff and schmelk jake from rochester jake what's up hi jake hey guys so my question is uh just trying to get some clarification on the whole opt-out thing um so you look at nate solder um his contract next year was supposed to get to a point where it would be more financially suitable to cut him um, if he didn't have, you know, his bounce back year that we were hoping for this year. Um, so I'm wondering, um, now that it's paused, does that then get moved to the following year? Well, Jake, so next I, year I'm, I'm not going to comment on, on his number specifically, but I will tell you exactly how I understand the rules are going to work. There is still not full clarity from the NFL because people are kind of just parsing the words in the agreement between the players and, and the owners at this point. But my understanding is that, any prorated signing bonus and base salary get automatically moved from 2020 to 2021. The roster bonuses, since they've already been paid out, those will stay in the 2020 cap. So if you take a look, if you go over to thecap.com or spot track, whatever you want to look at, his cap number next year will be his base salary plus whatever prorated signing bonus, and that includes his restructure, at least that's my understanding, that all goes into next season. So... That's how you have to view them in terms of dead money. Okay, so how does that uh, uh, affect maybe being able to utilize some of that money this year? Does it seem to make sense to use some of that money on someone this year? Or is that something where it would make more sense to just go with the guys you got this year and then, you know, save that money for next year? I think it depends on the guy and the price, right? I mean, if you find the guy and, and – Jeff Lance, I'd love to get your take on this too. And, and, and Jake, thanks a lot for the call. We're a little late. I want to make sure I get as many guys as we can. But I think it depends on the guy and the price. But I, I'm going to mimic and echo something that Lance said earlier, and Detino said it, and Jeff, you've said it too. With the cap probably going down next year by you know $20 million, depending on whether or not fans are going to be in the stands. We'll see how it all breaks down. But it's possible it could dip $23 million mm-hmm. when teams are, when they're building their caps moving forward, they're expecting it to go up you know, 10% a year, give or take. Now it's going to go down. So the salary cap space carries over. So any money the Giants have under the cap this year will move into next year's cap for them. So I think the default position would be let it carry over, use that money in a smart way next year and figure it out. Now, if you get into a situation where you really need a guy, yeah, you can spend some of that money now. But in terms of planning ahead and the unknown, it's the same thing. Like, if you're managing your personal finances and you're not sure what's coming next, you're having, you know, cash flow issues, somebody loses a job in the household, whatever the case might be, you're going to try to save a little money, right? 
to try mm-hmm. to, to to try to manage your future a little bit better. And that's, I think, what all NFL teams, Jeff, are looking at now as the cap could shrink next year. It's all about need. I, I mean, if, if you have a position of need, injuries, um, COVID, those types of things, and there is a, a veteran player out there that you need – and you got to go get them. You you got some extra money. It's like like have savings account, right? So I'm, I I don't know the answer to the question is if you are able to use that money. Yeah, you can. Okay, you can. so then if that's yeah. the answer, then I just I got my piggy bank and I make sure that I, I it's there if I need it. Um, however, you know the the cap next year we know is going to be down. It's going to be down for the next few years because they're going to. They're going to spread out all the losses in 2020 and yeah. carry it over to 21. Yeah, for about four years, they so, may do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, but let's just look at next year and, and know for a fact that it's going to be down. So you would like to carry some of that money with you next year. So that's just my take. But I think it's a need. I really think like, like for instance, if, they, if, they're, if the Giants needed Clowney and they just had to pay him the money because something happened, well, there you go. You got the cash to do it. And if that's what you need, then go do it. Well, also keep in mind, with Solder's money moving from 2020 to 2021, you're also going to need money to absorb Solder in some capacity because what you had penciled into 2021 is not what 2021 is going to be with 2020 moving over. So, you know, that's something else that you need to keep in mind. More of a reason why rolling over cap space, I think, is beneficial. They may consider giving extensions Guys, to some of the players that are due for one, that's mm-hmm. another reason why I think rolling over cap space could be beneficial. And by the way, just FYI so people know, you give guys extensions so you can limit the first-year cap hit and spread the money out over the length of a contract so you can lower it in that one particular year to help money. your cap room. Exactly. In this case, Correct. you would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would have the money. So, you know, that's another reason why it's beneficial. Correct. And, you know, the other thing is I don't know what the Giants think of who is going to be in that 2020 one free agent class, and maybe they have their eyes set on some of those players, and that's another reason why you want to have some additional cap space. So, you know, all of those factors, because of the unknown with the cap going down, I think there's an extreme benefit to not spending it immediately. If you want to bring in a complimentary free agent for the sake of depth and competition, absolutely. I think that makes sense. But, guys, think about the players that were signed over the last few days. You look at Nigel Bradham went to the Saints. Okay, that's a quality veteran free agent. He's not necessarily breaking the piggy bank for the Saints, but they look at him as somebody that adds depth. LaShawn McCoy just joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're not Mm -hmm. talking about big splashes. So if you could go out and you could get somebody that's not going to eat a lot of cap space and knows your system or has familiarity with the coaching staff, I think there's a benefit to that. But I've said this time and time again, I think with the Giants having a young roster, I think this coaching staff wants to get the most out of the young guys. I think they want to give them the most reps. They want to see them develop because the whole point is this nucleus being your long-term group, not bringing in a veteran to take snaps away from a young guy who you're going to rent for a year or half a season. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, after 2020 ends, they're going to become a free agent after that. So all that did was, yeah, maybe it made you slightly more competitive this year, but it didn't necessarily help you in the long run. And I don't think the Giants are thinking short-term, yeah. I, thinking, I think they're thinking more long-term right now. Good point, Lance. 973-667-1960. Let's go back to the phones. Cole, you're on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Scott from New Mexico. What's up, Scott? Uh, quick question, and I'll take it off the air. Uh, interesting press conference, uh, but I thought the most relevant point was the last question that was asked, and that was about the quarterbacks, and I understand, at least from the question that was asked, that there are some teams that are also 
maybe issuing special protocols for their quarterbacks. And obviously, if the Giants lose Daniel Jones or one of the other quarterbacks, they're pretty much done. So I'm wondering what are the special protocols they can do uh, to segregate uh, Daniel Jones even more so uh, from the COVID scare than some of the other players? And are the Giants going to adapt the methodology to make that actually happen? And I'll listen to your answers off the air, guys. Thank you, Scott. Um, And look, Joe Judge said they're not on the on the press conference. So basically the point of that is you figure once a player if a player gets infected with COVID, right? The players they have the best chance of spreading it to are the people in their meeting room, right? So you don't want to have all your quarterbacks in one space because if all of them get it and they can't play, well then you know what you are and it's not in a good place. And other positions too for that matter. Yeah, right. And exactly. And and, and that's the point that Joe Judge made that he goes, "Look, we're trying to keep all our position groups safe and we're spacing everybody." So he doesn't think that it makes sense to to just specify quarterback or another position to to do it with those guys because he thinks that the protocols they have in place are good enough to protect everybody and there isn't a need therefore to have a special protocol to keep you know one quarterback separate in like an isolation booth somewhere so that in case the other quarterback gets sick he doesn't so I think that's kind of how the Giants are looking at it yeah you can only put these guys in so many bubbles within bubbles but Jeff I think you hit a very good point that's not brought up enough we focus on quarterbacks because yes it's clearly the most critical position on offense but if Saquon Barkley caught the coronavirus, you don't think there's all of a sudden a nosedive in terms of who they're turning to, in terms of the level of productivity? If Kevin Zeitler catches the coronavirus mm-hmm. and you now have to go to your next guard, once again, no disrespect to the other players on the depth chart, but yeah. you're going to have a downgrade if any significant player catches coronavirus. So we have to stop treating it as if it's all Daniel Jones and the season is downhill. It's like that to me to any position group. You don't sure. want to have to lose anybody because you know that there's a significant difference between starters and second and third tier players. So I would say this goes back to the conversation we had at the beginning of the show. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take responsibility amongst positional groups as well as the entire team. But guys have to communicate with one another. And as far as Daniel Jones is concerned, he's going to have to speak to wide receivers and running backs after practice if they have to go over things in terms of plays and strategy for the upcoming game. What did Eli Manning do? And Jeff, you know this firsthand, right? Eli would then have separate group meetings after the big practice. And I get it. He wasn't dealing with the coronavirus. But if you think that football players are just going to find a way to communicate through brain power and try to read each other's minds, it's not yeah. going to happen. Well, so all you got to do is put Daniel Jones in the FEMA suit before you send him into those meetings. <laughs> Okay, well, there you go. Maybe you have a better solution. But the bottom line is there's going to have to be some interaction off of the practice field in some capacity. I guess and that's I, I my think, point. And I think that that can happen through Zoom. I think that, you know, they can have the evening meetings where the guys aren't around. And if Eli wants that's to fair. get together with receivers and go over game tape um, or practice tape with them not being around, that's probably one way to do it. Um, I know that the coaches were doing that with the players anyway. They were sitting in their office with a whiteboard and video. I'm going over things and everybody could, you know, the other thing that Joe Judge had mentioned was that, you know, if there is an infection and someone is unable to return, at least through Zoom and through their through uh, that type of communication, they'll be able to still sit in on some of the meetings and be able to so that they're not left behind, you know, because that's detrimental. And now because especially for the younger guys because of new program new new playbook everything just everything is the newness to them if somebody gets sick like that it could be a long road back just trying to get caught up on things not to mention the veterans too but 
Um, you know, and the most important thing is that, you know, if it does happen to get these guys away from everyone, have them quarantine and make sure they're, they're going to get tested however many times they have to have a negative test before they can reenter the building. And, and we talked a lot about this yesterday, so I don't want to bring it up off the top, but Jeff and I haven't a chance to discuss it yet, Lance. Um, Joe Judge did mention Nate Solder's decision to opt out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he obviously wanted him to play and the organization wanted him to play, but they completely understand and support why he didn't. Sure. He and Nate had talked about it a lot, so he understands it was a tough decision. Uh, but it was the right one for him and his family and the organization and the coaching staff and, and the, his teammates. They all support him in making it. So do we. Um, look, it's, it, it's a really tough decision. How, Jeff, do you see this now playing out at offensive tackle? Um, yeah. I, th- I think all of us are going to probably land in the camp that you were in before you change directions, <laughs> where I think now the most likely landing spot, and Joe Judd said all these guys will compete at different spots. They'll figure out who fits best where. But I got to think Andrew Thomas has a good chance of landing at left tackle if he's good enough to claim the job. And then I guess Cameron Fleming would probably be the best choice for the other offensive mm-hmm. tackle simply based on experience. Yeah. Yeah, no question. And, the other, you know, Joe Judge is never going to tell you that. He's going to tell you that they're competing at every position, which they will. I of mean, course. everybody does. Um, we know that the roster, the, the depth charts is 90% set. We know who's going to play. Um, but the thing about it is, is that, you know, I, I one number one for Nate Solder. This had to be the most difficult decision he's ever made in football. Because he, he loves his team and he loves his teammates. He every loves da- to play. Ev- listen, guys, everybody that plays professional football loves football. They're not going to go through this stuff with And trust me, it's, it's a lot of work. You're not going to go through this. And for them, and part of football is your your teammates, the camaraderie. You hear it all the time with the guys that retire. What are they going to miss the most? They're going to miss their guys. And so this had to be a very difficult decision for him, one that a lot of people would think that he's selfish. Um, but you know what? I yeah, hope he not. Is I hope people don't. But you know what? That. He is, he has to be selfish. He has a young son that that has cancer. He's a he's a cancer survivor. I mean, these are things that people have to realize. So unfortunately, in these times, um, there's some drastic measures sometimes that have to take place. So number one, I wanted to get that off my chest because I have the utmost um, respect for Nate, and obviously this was a tough decision for him. As far as Andrew Thomas, I you, I I had said it before. I just think you got to play the guy at left tackle. Get him in there, let him go, and let's let's see what he can do. And I think obviously that's going to happen. And and the other one, uh, Lance, you had mentioned it or John about you know we know about um, Cam. Those guys know about Cam. They know what he can do. So that's probably going to be your your guy on the right side. And then you just hope you got a good amount of depth. You know the other thing too, real quickly, that the whole thing about positional groups and getting infected and sick. This could easily wipe out an offensive line room, a defensive line sure. room, a corner. I mean, you've got to think about what, it's going to happen. And I'm not just saying it's going to happen with the Giants, but it's, you know that this is going to happen well, somewhere. Well, Jeff, I think the hope, though, and the reason they have their protocols is that if, and if people follow them, you might get an infection. But the goal with the protocols is to prevent it from then spreading to the other people on the team and in the position group. I now, get that. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to pull off. People have to be very responsible and right. listen to all the rules. But that I think is the goal is mm-hmm. that if you do get an infection with the rapid testing and, and all that other stuff, to just limit it to the one and prevent spread from that one infection. The part the problem that I see happening, and I just know how, how players work and families work 
these people are coming from all over the country. They do not have friends. Their wives do not make friends with their neighbors or their apartment. You know, people, they just don't do it. So what, what do they do? Their friends are the players and their players' wives and, and significant others. Those are the people they hang out with. So then, so Joe Judge said, I got I to gotta make sure I know what my kids and my wife is doing. Well, when you're all of a sudden now going to, if you're just going to hang out over someone's house on a Friday night and have a barbecue with your teammates, well, now you know that you have wives and significant others. Where were they? So there's a lot of yeah. tracing that goes back Good and point. forth. So you got to understand that you you as a group inside the building are probably very 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 safe. But as soon as you get outside, uh, you better be careful what you do and where you're going and who you're hanging around with. That's well, you know thing. the other aspect of all of this is, and Joe Judge brought it up, is the kids because you know mm-hmm. I think a lot is going to depend yeah. on what happens across the country with whether or not kids are going to return to school and because most of if them are. right yeah. if kids are going back to school. You then have to think about, well, are there any issues at the school? And I'm not trying to hit the panic meter here, but but if there's issues that arise at your kid's school, then you don't know what the kid's then bringing back to your own house and then how that could, God forbid, get into the NFL team. And listen, a lot of the players on the Giants, as well as across the NFL, they have kids. And they have kids of the age who they're going to go to school on a daily basis. And, you know, that could be a huge wild card that a lot of people are not talking about. So, you know, if they're in that virtual zone, that may be beneficial. If the kids are staying in the house, then you have a better read on where they've been. If they're going back and forth to school every day, I, I think that's another wrinkle. The other thing that and I Lance, wanted to By the add, way, there's also yeah. conflicting evidence, too, based on how old the kid is. Can they transmit it? What's the yeah. transmission like? There's stuff that, you know, remember, it's called a coronavirus because it's novel, right? It's, it's, it's the novel coronavirus. So we're still learning a lot about this thing. It's, 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 it's amazing. Well, when you think about it, it's still in its infancy. There's yeah. only been a few months of this. And I think that a number of doctors who have studied infections and so forth will tell you it takes years guys to get to the bottom of infections to know the ins and outs and Mm -hmm. get a good read on it so i think even though we feel like we've been dealing with this for centuries because it's been (laughs) so long it really has not been that long of a time so you have to take into consideration we're going to continue to get into the land of the unknown moving forward but when you were talking about nate solder what i hope this opt-out feature brings to the forefront in not just for the giants or the nfl conversation guys is I think maybe the best thing that could come about this is it humanizes players Mm -hmm. because I think what we're starting to see is we put some of these guys on pedestals. We get very passionate when they execute, when they don't. But you know what? What Nate Solder is telling everybody is he's dealing with issues that anybody else in this world may very well be dealing with, which is a family member, unfortunately, dealing with a medical issue or a kid dealing with a medical issue. These players are dealing with these things on a daily basis. Nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to bring it up more often than not because we're so consumed with the X's and O's, the entertainment value. And fantasy football. Correct. And fantasy football and whether or not the guy delivered for my team. So if there's a silver lining to all of this, and we know there's some knuckleheads that you know are going to criticize players, and hopefully that gets buried quickly. But I hope this may humanize some of these guys a little bit more and allow fans to see players in a different way. Well, Lance, that was very sensitive of you. I'm very impressed. Well, look at Damian Williams. His mom was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, and that was yeah. that was his opt out decision. So you're right. It, it's 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 not a lot all all the time about the the player. It's Things going around him. And I will tell you, and even college players have to think about this too, is that, you know, there's a lot of parents that live with their grandparents, you know, and so these are the people that are at risk, the older people. Mm -hmm. So you got to be real careful of 
bringing things home to your 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 family, and that's that's the big thing. So, man, this could, we could talk about this for hours <laughs> upon sure. hours. I mean, it really, is, and I think that it's, it's fluid. It changes every single day, and you could just hear from Joe, um, and it's just something that they're going to have to. Everyone's going to have to deal with this year on a daily basis. Um, there's more coming. We'll see it. Something's going to happen, and and we're not. No one's going to th- have thought of it, and they're going to be like, "Wow, why didn't we think of this?" Or, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? Like, is it no. some new yeah. new mask new. that people are going to be yeah, wearing? Things or, always come up, you yeah. know. So, um, and and I think, and I'll be, I'll I'll stop after this. Here's the the biggest caveat in this thing, in my mind, is we have yet, we have yet to get football on the field and play one snap. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And all of this is going on without even taken a down of football yet so we got a long ways to go and by the way we are six weeks away from that more than that actually almost <laughs> yeah. seven weeks away from that so let's see what i can't practice but practices i mean i know what what are we two weeks away from practice yeah I mean, a little less than that around so, 12 I mean, days that's when the real bullets are going to be flying right 100 I mean, and so yeah. now if there's going to be infectious uh sides of this it's probably going to come then right unless they're 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 doing such a good job with their protocols and that's what you that's what you're hoping you are hoping that all these guys are abiding what you're supposed to be doing. Listen, college football, they can put guys in, and even in here, they can put guys up for one month for training camp. But as soon as that's over, they got to go somewhere. And, and that's, that's when the test comes. That's, yeah. And that's exactly. And by the way, are these guys even staying in a hotel for training camp? I know that was a, a, one of the negotiations I, the I owners had the with the players. That. I, I, well, I think Joe they Judge do. said the guys are going back to the hotel. So okay. at okay. least the Giants are utilizing that, John. It's a good question whether or not league-wide. Because that was part of the negotiation, correct, if I'm not mistaken? I, I think, think it, it should have been a staple yeah. of it. I, no, I, I didn't get was. an exact definitive answer, but at least Joe Judge came out and said, guys are coming to and from the hotel. And he said, because he was asked about it, you look bit concerned that he goes we keep them at the facility so late that they're so tired they don't have time to then do anything else <laughs> after right, that yeah, very quickly yeah. guys we got one more caller let's try to squeeze them in sure. caller you're on the line what's your name where are you calling from it's charlie portland maine charlie, charlie, be guys. Quick here, please okay oh, john i'm just starting no charlie hey, we, have to, uh, we have to wrap up it's 112 i know i know i know i am I just think there's a big hole in the offensive line now you had polian on the huddle and what did he say? In normal times, he said it was less than 50% that a rookie offensive lineman can come in and actually play and start or play well. And now we have a rookie offensive lineman through the pandemic who hasn't had any OTAs, has had nothing. And we expect him to come in and play and start at left tackle. Mm-hmm. If that's that the is fourth crazy. pick of the draft. He's the fourth pick it, of the draft. It doesn't draft. matter. Look at the look at the statistics. You know, Poland just spelt it out. He's a smart man. He understands. Hey, look, Troy. Now, I don't think I don't think anyone's underestimating the importance of Nate Solder. Jeff and I had this conversation on one of the shows three mm-hmm. months ago. And we said he was one of the more indispensable players on the roster mm-hmm. because he well, was that important. What, what, so I don't think well, anyone's shortchanging it. No, but I, I just think they they should have pressed. Judd on that a little bit more because now you've got Gates who's a you know he's only had a year played limit very small limit and the other guy that we have is you know is uh, Fleming who's never been a starter he's been a swing guy he started some games and that's what we have you know for a tackle now it's it's 
unbelievable. And then go to the center position. All we have is pulley. You've got rookie guys who haven't even played the position, and we expect them to be the backup with no OTAs during the pandemic. It's ridiculous. Our offensive line is worse than it was last year. And I wish they had pushed him on that because it looks pretty bad. Well, Charlie, he remember he hasn't gotten these guys on the field yet, so he's he he. They asked about I the understand. offensive line. He's not going to answer questions about the guys behind Solder. He's just not. Maybe he will in a couple weeks after he sees them. So I can tell you that's why they didn't press him on it. But look, we're going to see what happens. And look, it's going to be a challenge for these rookies to come in and play well right away. We have to see how well Fleming does. He hasn't played right tackle, I think, in three or four seasons. So seventeen, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's going to be a little while here to 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 try to figure this all out. You know what I mean? Thanks, bud. Yeah, I know. Okay, ciao. We got to run, Charlie. Thank you, pal. You too. Yeah. Appreciate the call. Guys, do you want to add anything real quick before we say goodbye to Charlie's question? No. Let's Charlie bringing up the offensive line. What a shocking development. Well, all I'll say is this. I think Nick Gates, by the way, had a red shirt year with the Giants. So even though he didn't play, remember, he was in the NFL. I don't think we should dismiss that. And, you know, they have options. And everybody, to me, is in the same boat, guys. Nobody's been on the field with yeah. their offensive mm-hmm. line. You think the Giants are the only team that has some new faces and movable parts? When you lose your left tackle, any team, it's not easy. So the Giants know they're facing a challenge, and this wasn't necessarily an expected thing because, you know, it came at them once, obviously, they finalized the language for opt-outs. And if you put a rookie into that situation against challenging pass rushers, it is going to be a challenge. But better he get the experience, guys, right away than push it back a year or two. And, boy, by the way, thank goodness they drafted the tackle instead of Isaiah Simmons, huh? Can you you imagine? No, seriously. I mean, can you imagine? A hundred percent. They would have been – you think Charlie would have been calling every day. I mean, well, he does anyways, but I mean, he would have been on every. <laughs> yeah, I don't call. think that would have changed, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, no, but my 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 point to Charlie was that he is he is the fourth pick in the NFL draft, right? I mean, the guy has to be able to play some football, and from what we've seen, he's a pretty good player. And I think that my whole my just about moving what I changed my my opinion on the right to left, I I'm just from I want to get him reps. I want to get him in there and play, and he's going to learn right yeah. away, and he's going to get that chance now. You know, so got lucky with that pick, by the way, me, me putting him over on the left side. I didn't think it was going to come to this type of an area. <laughs> but, you know, I originally I thought Nate was going to be the, the right right tackle and they're just going to put him over there. So that's a good one now. Jeff, Mr. Prediction, who would have thought Yeah, well, it? I, don't, I don't predict him very much. But uh, it's, it's, listen, I, I think you guys all will know that there's going to be problems. Of course there's going to yeah, be problems. Look, this but whole I feel, year, you're going to be challenges. You're going to have to be flexible. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of bad stuff that happens. You're but just going to have to figure it out. pick player. The guy can play some football. Yeah, and he played at the highest level of competition no question. you can. That's not NFL football in the SEC. So. Yeah. And we'll he's see. going to get some great coaching. You know, he's going to get stronger. I don't know how much bigger he really needs to get, but he's <laughs> going to get stronger, and he's going to get some great coaching. Guys, great stuff. Enjoy your weekend. I'm heading to the zoo tomorrow. Oh, there you go. All right. With a mask, right. by the way, and staying outdoors. I will socially distance, but it's Clara's birthday in a week, so we're doing a little zoo ah. trip tomorrow, which will be Very fun. Very nice. Very, Very nice. nice. Well, well, you'll uh, be in safe surroundings because you're used to the animals. So you That's know. right. Well, yeah, yeah right. I, I have to deal yeah. with you, de- you, you well, Dottino, and Beagles every day. So this day. is not going to be uncharted <laughs> territory for you, so that's good. And, yeah. and and the whole zoo is located outdoors, and I'll be wearing a mask, so it'll be, it'll be safe, which is Stay the most safe. important thing. You too, Lance. Yes, you as well, Jeff. Okay, guys, take care. All right, guys, appreciate it, everybody. Stay safe out there. We'll see you on Monday when Big Blue Kickoff Live returns at noon. Stay safe, everyone.